Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever wrestled with God in the middle of the night? Now, I'm guessing that none of you has ever had an experience exactly like Jacob had from our reading in Genesis 32 of a physical wrestling match with God, complete with a hip injury. But have you ever had a night when your mind is racing with worry or confusion or with thoughts of a difficult circumstance or cares for a loved one who is in need? Sleep flees from you minute after minute, perhaps even hour after hour. These moments don't happen to me very often. I'm a pretty sound sleeper, and my wife will attest to that. But every once in a great while, they do. And in studying the readings for tonight's message, I wonder if in these moments, God is calling from the living room, inviting me to tussle with him a bit. Come close to me, he says. Struggle with me. All those thoughts, all those worries, let's get them all out and wrestle together. In my better moments, I take up God on the offer. Maybe you have too. Today we continue our Lenten journey of returning to the Lord as we consider the call to return to prayer. We do so looking at some key texts that frame prayer in some respects as a rumble with God who desires to be close to us. Jacob, whose life is full of stress and uncertainty as on one hand he is fleeing from his conniving father-in-law Laban, And as, on the other hand, he is approaching the promised land where his brother Esau lives, whom he departed from several years prior on not-so-good terms, if you remember. He found a way to trick him out of both his birthright and his blessing, and then he had to run away from home because Esau wanted to kill him. Now he's approaching once more in the midst of all that stress, in the midst of all that uncertainty, Jacob is alone in the night. God shows up. He conceals his identity. And he wrestles with Jacob. In our gospel reading tonight from Matthew 26, it's Jesus, the ultimate descendant of Jacob, the son of God, who ends up going three rounds with his heavenly father on the night before he goes to the cross for us. His disciples, unfortunately, seemingly aren't ready to engage that same struggle. They give in to distraction and sleep instead. I can relate to that. Can you? Prayer can be a touchy subject because if we're completely honest, very few of us are really good at prayer. There's 
Perhaps always a little twinge of, of conscience that comes with a discussion of prayer. We have great intentions, obviously, but scripture passages such as Paul in 1 Thessalonians, where he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, pray continually. They can make us flinch. We tend to worry more than we should. We certainly don't do a very good job of praying without ceasing. It's a good bet that your prayer life does not measure up to the ideal that God's Word has set for us. And it probably falls short of whatever standard you've set for yourself. So, if you are a little uncomfortable with this topic, that's understandable. Going back to the scene of the Garden of Gethsemane, many of us probably see ourselves in the three disciples whom Jesus has called to watch with him. We see ourselves in the disciples more than we see ourselves in Jesus, who struggles mightily with his Father. We too often get distracted. We tire, perhaps too easily, and in general, we don't recognize our great need for what God desires to give us. The real danger that we are in every day with the evil one seeking to pull us away from Christ and the unmatched power of our King who is ready to exercise that power for our good, to protect us, to keep us close to Him, and to allow our lives to serve His amazing, glorious purposes. So, today... We come confessing our sin, confessing our inconstancy, our our lack of commitment to prayer, which so often flows from a weakness of faith. We come confessing in the words of the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And yet, my hope and prayer for you today is that this will not be your ultimate takeaway from the message, a guilt trip. For in Jesus, there is always good news. Consider him again, wrestling with his Father. Yes, he sees the suffering that is coming. He, better than anyone, knows the cup that he will be forced to drain in order to carry out the plan for which you was sent into the world. The physical suffering, the humiliation he will endure. Worst of all, the wrath and displeasure of his Father as he becomes the lightning rod on the cross, attracting to himself the judgment of God for the universal rebellion of the entire human race. My Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So what's the end result of the struggle? For Jesus, it's a renewed resolve to face this ultimate moment, to do what he was sent to do, to rescue sinners like you and me. The Father refuses to call the mission off. He refuses to call an audible. 
not because he doesn't love his son, but because he intensely loves you. And now, risen from the dead, having completed his work, Jesus continues to pray. He continues to pray for you, for your good. Paul says that in Romans chapter 8, that Jesus is at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. Heaven is not a silent place where your prayer somehow arrives as an interruption to God. Rather, when we pray, we uh, join voices and praises that surround God's throne constantly. And we're welcomed in the name of Jesus, who is already speaking on our behalf and working all things powerfully for our good before we can even ask. Moreover, Jesus has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, the one who lives inside of us and prays for us when we don't even know where to start. That's what Paul says in our epistle reading tonight. We'd wallow in frustration at our lack of a prayer life when all the while the Spirit is lifting up the perfect prayer for us to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit who convinces us to know Jesus as our perfect Savior and to approach his throne with confidence to find help and mercy in our time of need. When God calls us to wrestle with him in prayer, he's not calling us out to receive the beating that we deserve. He is the Father, inviting his son to come and tussle with him on the living room floor. He is the dad, inviting the five-year-old to do his best to knock him down. Because he loves us, and because he knows what's best for us, sometimes he'll let us get him to the floor and give us what we desire. Other times, he'll stand his ground, no matter how hard we push and tug. He'll exercise our faith so that it might grow, so that we might learn to trust him more and more, even when appearances suggest that we should doubt or that we should worry. The best part about wrestling with dad is that you get to be close to him. So the next time you wake up in the middle of the night, your mind is racing Don't miss the opportunity. Your Facebook feed will be there in the morning. Your need is not to be distracted. What you really need is to wrestle with Dad. I can almost guarantee that he won't injure your hip. Almost guarantee. But I can guarantee that his arms are exactly where you are meant to be. To struggle with him. But as you struggle, to be reassured of his goodness, his power, his love for you, for your loved one in need, for any that you bring before him in prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds today 
and always in Christ Jesus, who invites us into the struggle of prayer and meets us with his closeness and his love. Amen.